uh, I think it's good for the person because it's going to improve the way that they work in a cat hospital or with cats in general. Um, so, you know, a lot of, a lot of what happens with cats and why they're labeled as fractious and difficult has a lot to do with our mis inability to understand them and our um, rush and our, you know, wanting to hold them and restrain them and not really understanding what their needs are. Um, so I think that these things help the individual really understand the cat and it'll improve their practice and hopefully also reduce injury. Sorry for saying Sorry Media presents the Purr Podcast, the best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hi, this is Dr. Susan Little. And Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, and this is the Per Podcast. And Dr. Susan did an amazing <laughs> first intro. A hundred and some odd episodes, and I'm still practicing my intro. <laughs> yes. So, Dr. Susan, how's the weather? How's the weather? Um, I'm very sad that you ask. <laughs> <laughs> because even though it's March, um, where I live in Ottawa, Ontario, um, it's not going to be spring for at least another month. We're still getting snow. Yes, and I'm going to freezing. make you jealous because it was 70 degrees. My little tulips are coming out. And I'm I so saw excited. your pictures. Yes. I'm I so didn't excited. like them. No, sorry. <laughs> uh, we have another frozen guest in our midst. <laughs> True. <laughs> a wonderful Canadian. Uh, yeah. And we have a great topic for today's and next week's podcast. Mm -hmm. um, so do you want to introduce her, Dr. Susan? Oh, sure. I would love to. So we have the wonderful Dr. Kelly St. Denis with us. And I've known Kelly for a very long time. Very long time. And she's easily one of my favorite cat vets. I think she's amazing. So, and you, um, Kelly was a guest host for us on a yes. podcast, right? Yes, she was. Yes. But I, and, and did we also interview her once or is only the guest hosting thing? I think this is her first time on the guest side of the microphone. This is my first time on the yes. guest side of the microphone. Yes. yes. But she did an excellent job hosting, so she knows what's going on. Yeah. She knows about all the curveballs we will throw. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so what's it like where you are, Kelly? Because you're in Ontario, but you're more south in Ontario than I am. Yes, I'm in southern Ontario in Brantford, and it's cold and windy, but not as much snow probably as you guys have. Yeah. You're expecting not great month for weather either. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you, and I mean, I think you're all focusing on June, July for the weather to be normal, isn't it? Well... Sometime in April, the snow will be gone. That'll be okay. Oh. That'd be nice. <laughs> yes. yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, nice. so I love Canada. I mean, Canada, one of my favorite countries, but I cannot live there in the winter. It is just <laughs> too cold. Too cold. And we had this cold snap here in Kansas. It was like minus whatever. And I was, it was two weeks long. And I was like, when is this going to be over? <laughs> I saw your pictures. It looked pretty burr for down there. Yes, it was. It was. And it, uh, it was a cold snap. It was warmer in Ottawa than it was in Kansas. How is that really? possible? That's yes. unusual. Yeah. 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 yeah so. 
crazy, crazy times. But we're going to talk about a very special topic, Dr. Susan. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk excited. about hypertension. I don't think we've, I did a quick check and I don't think we've ever done a podcast just on hypertension. I think we already did hypertension last time, isn't it? I mean, That's I think you're confused. Throwing. <laughs> yes, Pardon? I know. That's definitely not what we're going to talk about, Dr. Susan. <laughs> no, we're going to talk about the the, the the toolkit. We have a toolkit to talk about. Yes. You didn't let was... me finish my, okay. my subject. Okay. Yeah, yeah, good. I'd started with, I had the toolkit in my head. So, okay. so, okay, so let me back out. I think I jumped in too far too soon. So um, <laughs> Kelly is the current uh, American Association of Feline Practitioners president until when Kelly until until the conference at the end of September now so okay it was yeah. supposed to be January 1st but yeah the, so we're like, talking with Mrs. President here so yeah. we get a uh, you get a longer term yes longer so term. yeah so we wanted to talk about some of the newer things that AFP has been doing and included in that is some of the toolkits so that's where I was going with that Yola and because uh, yes. one of them the newest one I think is the hypertension one so you can yeah, tell I'm anxious I, to talk I, about I it. I think that, that that I thought that our focus would be, you know, the amazing uh, new materials that AFP was publishing, uh, to how to become a yeah. uh, cat uh, certified veterinarian. And I think it is, there's lots of different ones. And yeah. I am struggling through one. And it's not <laughs> struggling because of the content, because I love the content, but it's a time that I'm trying to, get to it and I don't have a lot of time. So, and I have a deadline of April 1st, I think. So I hope I will make my deadline Whoa. to finish that, to be, to become a- uh, You're a doing the cat-friendly veterinarian. Veterinarian, yeah. Yeah. So I'm very excited about it. So I want to talk about that too. Yeah. Uh, but we have, you know, lots of minutes to talk about. So that that's going to be great. And um, so you start with a question. Who, me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, Kelly. I could ask you guys. Can I switch places and I'll be the guest and Kelly can be the interviewer? Like, no. Um, so I think a good place to start um, is asking Kelly to outline for us what the new uh, programs are, because there's cat-friendly veterinarian, there's cat-friendly professional, and advocate, is that the third one? Cat-friendly yes, advocate. advocate. Yeah. Right. So there's three layers, if you will. So the advocate can be anyone that's working in a practice or in the veterinary field or animal care field. Um, so there's nine modules in total in the certificate and the advocate would take the first four. Um, so those are more about feline behavior, understanding the cat, setting up the exam room and the veterinary office for visits and the hospital. Um, and then our veterinary mm -hmm. professional takes the additional three modules, so taking all uh, seven of the nine. And that really is for technicians and nurses, managers. And those serve uh, the additional three modules there, talking about cat care at home, um, vaccination, vaccinations, that kind of preventive health care. And then we get into the last two modules, which are fundamentals of medicine. So then we're talking about the veterinary professional, the, the cat-friendly veterinarian. So the cat-friendly veterinarian, as Yola will be soon, is all mm -hmm. nine modules. <laughs> so it's about, um, I think there's little, there's a vi there's a set of slides. They're about 20, 25 minutes each. And then you take a small quiz at the end. Um, so the nine modules do take a little while. So I was impressed, Yola. I know how busy you are that you're taking this. 
So, yeah, no, I, I love it. I, I love education. Uh, and, uh, and so I'm trying to re-educate myself a little bit too. Uh, and, and, and the modules are really nice. I think uh, that, uh, that, you know, you would think that you know everything, but you don't. And so the nice thing about these modules, and I'm stuck somewhere in the middle, I think, um, that, uh, that, that, you know, life is short. So every day you can learn something. And I like the fact that you can go away from the modules and then come back and then you're exactly at the same spot. And the yeah. whole system is very easy to manipulate. Uh, I didn't realize that there were questions at the end. So <laughs> during the first module, I wish I would have paid a little bit better attention to what was said. So I had to go back to answer some of the questions, to be really honest, uh, because I'm also an overture achiever. So I cannot have like... Uh, a 50% pass rate. But, yeah. um, well, you have to have 80% to pass. So oh, 80. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I can't remember what it was. But uh, so the, the tests are good too because you really need to pay, pay attention. You cannot mm -hmm. multitask through these things because the questions are not that easy. Because normally when you have tests and you have people that don't know how to make tests, uh, it's easy to pass them. But these are, some of them are pretty tough. So you have to pay attention to the content. And, and uh, yeah, there were a couple of real eye-openers there. Um, and don't ask me specifically which ones because I already <laughs> forget, forgot what they were. But I really enjoyed it, and I, I'm still really enjoying it. So I just need to take the time, and I think that's a good thing to talk to people about that. Uh, yeah, it, it, it takes attention. So oh. it takes time, and it takes uh, a little bit of attention away from your normal work, which in a way is fun. Mm -hmm. uh, and And... And I, I think it fits really well in the fact that we're moving away from learning from books. We're really moving into the digital learning space and there's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of it is passive, but when you get tests with it, it becomes a little bit more active and engaging. Mm -hmm. So every time somebody says we're moving away learning from books, <laughs> I die a little inside. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everyone is still clamoring for because i'm always in the middle of editing a book <laughs> yeah, i know you are that's why i said you it. should talk you all about of course your your one is going to be um uh digital anyway right yeah so my my, yeah. my newest book that were i am in the copy editing which means the late latest stage and that's another thing i need to finish um that will be fully digital so it's only available digital and then people can print it at home they can do whatever with what whatever they want with it because it's completely free for download for anybody uh, but i think that uh, that uh, i decided this time not to waste any paper on it mm. yeah yeah and, and a afp has been doing online learning for a long time right and even the cat friendly practice even that whole process is all online so they're really you know you're this the organization is very experienced in that space i think yeah. Yeah, and the toolkits, like you guys were talking about the hypertension toolkit, it's online, but if someone wants to print it out, they can print out individual sections or the whole toolkit they need yeah. to, to keep a binder and whatever in their practice. Yeah. So I have a question about the, the, the certification. So you have three certificates for different levels in the practice. Mm -hmm. Why did you want to do this? Mm -hmm. Why did we want to make this certificate at all? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think... Uh, it was it was Heather's our CEO's brainchild. He really really hatched out of Heather's brain. But I think the purpose of this is to sort of enhance and expand what people know. So we have the Cat Friendly Practice Program, which is a hospital that becomes certified to say that they know 
um, you know, extra stuff about feline medicine. They know how to take care of the cat, handle the cat, make the experience for the cat and the owners less stressful. But when you have the hospital that's certified, that doesn't mean that everyone in the clinic is engaged with that or understands what that means. And so the certificate allows people to learn themselves and then they can carry that certificate with them. So if they don't, if they're not in a cat friendly practice and maybe they're not going to buy into a cat, maybe their manager doesn't want to go through the rules of the, you know, the ropes of getting that cat friendly practice certification, they can do this on their own and then they can share what they know with the people in the practice. If they're already cat friendly practice certified, then the people that are getting the certificate are going to be that much better. And I know uh, I work in a number of cat friendly practices right now, and there is a varying level of information that each each person working in that practice has. And I, I think if they had the certificates, they would they would be doing that much better on top so of being cat friendly also, practice. You also are giving the the answer kind of on the question. So you gave the answer on why it's good for a fee, et cetera, but why is it good for the person to do this? Uh, I think it's good for the person because it's going to improve the way that they work in a cat hospital or with cats in general. Um, so, you know, a lot of, a lot of what happens with cats and why they're labeled as fractious and difficult has a lot to do with our mis inability to understand them and our um, rush and our, you know, wanting to hold them and restrain them and not really understanding what their needs are. Um, so I think that these things help the individual really understand the cat and it'll improve their practice and hopefully also reduce injury. I mean, we know the cat friendly practice, the insurance data has shown there's less claims on insurance for injuries. Um, so I, I'm hoping that this too will help people to reduce their injuries. And that's a really good point, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think it would be pretty good on somebody's CV as well, too, yeah. right? Yeah. Like if, if I'm hiring um, uh, a new person, whether it's like uh, an assistant or a technician, let's say, and they have on their on their uh, experience that they've completed the program, then that's that's going to be attractive, I think. Certainly would be to me as an employer. Mm -hmm. And yeah. what do they get at the end then? So do they get a, a uh, you know, a prize? <laughs> they get a cat. No. There's a certificate a that you can print out if you want to. Um, and you get like a another like you can get a really pretty certificate if you want to print one and put it in a frame on your wall. Um, and then a written certificate so that you can keep that and as you said, as Susan said, put it on your resume and take it with you. You know, mm. if you're not in the same practice all the time. So I, I don't get a AFP cat pin. No. Oh I don't think so. We need to talk uh, talk about that. I want a cat pin. You know, everybody's walking around with a beautiful certified cat pin. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. an awesome idea. I suddenly forget to put mine on frequently, although I haven't had opportunity to wear it either because we're my entire presidency has been virtual. So yeah, I was going to ask I, you, Viola, where I mean, would you I'm, wear I'm a cat making, pin? We don't yeah, go anywhere. I joke about it, but I think it is kind of nice for because I always think about the consumer. Eh? So yeah. what does, and that's the next question that I have for you, why would someone do it for their consumers? And I can already kind of think uh, what your answer will be, but the consumer also needs to recognize it. And often when you have something on the wall, um, yeah, consumers read. So I normally go to my dentist or whatever and read all the things that they have on the wall because I'm interested in it. But something recognizable on themselves mm -hmm. would be, 
because you talk to the person. So if you, if yeah. I see this is a certified cat veterinarian on their, maybe on their little label or whatever, mm. I would feel That's much more comfortable idea. suddenly. Yeah, and I don't think that we have that at this point. I know I didn't get one and I passed the course. Um, so that is a really good idea actually for people to be able to wear some kind of pin that acknowledges and lets clients know, although obviously right now with all the curbside yeah. not happening, but uh, to some extent in the future, hopefully when we have clients back in the practice, that'll be good too. But I have noticed like one of the benefits is when you're handling cats appropriately in, and this is, is setting aside all the medicine aspects of the certificate, but just the handling of cats, when people come into your practice and you handle them differently, they notice and they'll say, wow, like normally my cat's so grumpy at the vet, but he's calm here. So it, it does work learning how to understand them and to handle them differently. I have learned never to throw a towel away ever in my life again. <laughs> And the reason is, and, and, and Kelly showed, the, I don't know if it was Kelly's picture, but there was a picture in a, in a waiting room and it had a very nice little basket with towels and they just said, just take one for your cat. I love that idea. That is yeah. such a great, it's so simple and it's such a great idea. And there's so very few vet clinics where I've seen that and it doesn't cost anything. It's just a really wonderful suggestion. Yeah. I found a large portion of cats when they come into the clinic like to hide even on the exam table. So you can do your whole exam and they can be under a blanket until you need to look at their fur or their eyes, right? Exactly. I mean, and you can rent the bl blanket with your clinic name and people yeah. can buy them. And mm. you know, it, it, there's <laughs> lots of opportunities here. That's awesome. George is a marketer at heart. Can you tell? <laughs> we can send them away with our clients who were, uh, had seniors. And if we were doing like a full senior workup, we would send a free blanket home with them. Oh, that's a good yeah, idea. I love that. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Because, you know, I, I, I always said when I was still in, in Clinton in Utrecht, I always had the idea if I go to private practice, I'm going to make t shirts for dogs uh, because owners love that. <laughs> so, you know, I'm a cancer survivor or something like that on a t shirt. But cats hate those kind of things. So, but a blanket is perfect. That's the perfect yeah. solution. Mm -hmm. So, blankets and t shirts, my friends <laughs> of the Per Podcast. Uh, <laughs> This is the golden tip of today, next to the fact that, of course, you have to become a cat-friendly certified veterinarian from the AFP. Mm -hmm. So I, I love this. But um, um, So are there any other certificates or programs that people can do? Oh, in, in addition to this, so like other than the three that we've discussed? Yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah, I mean, other than the cat-friendly practice, thought off the top of my head, we have this the newest thing that we have available for certification. Yeah, that's awesome. So the cat-friendly practice you have then. And, and can you explain to me a little bit what people need to do? What hoops do they need to jump through to become a cat-friendly practice? It sounds really uh, intensive. It, it, it appears intensive. I mean, there's, there's a very large checklist and it starts uh, the cat-friendly the cat visit starts at home. Uh, so there's a number of things that the, veter the veterinary clinic has to be able to fulfill in terms of um, helping the client and helping the client choose a carrier and how to get the cat in the carrier, how the waiting room is for the cats, as you mentioned, having things like blankets and keeping them away from dogs. So there is a large checklist about that approach, the waiting room, the examination, the examination room. And then it even extends into the hospital and the wards and how those are handled in terms of, especially if you're in a cat dog practice in terms of keeping them away from dogs um, and even cat 
cages facing each other is not ideal because then they can see each other and set each other off. Um, so yeah, the cat-friendly practice seems kind of daunting at first, but when it, people sit down and really look at it, they're probably already doing a lot of the things that are on the checklist already. And then if it seems daunting, we always just recommend that they reach out to the office and just go through it step-by-step, step, like make small changes a little bit at a time so that you're gradually getting that checklist done. And, and it really doesn't take that long. Sometimes it requires some creativity. So the waiting room thing, there has to be an area where the cats can wait separate from the dogs, or you have to be able to take a cat right into an examination room so they're separated from dogs. So that's, I think that's one of the biggest hurdles when you say, Susan, that a lot of people struggle with because their waiting rooms are not designed um, to keep the dogs and cats separated. Yeah, it's very true, right? Because a lot of us are in buildings that were not built yesterday. Mm -hmm. Right. And some of us are even in buildings that weren't originally vet hospitals even. Right. So um, the waiting room waiting rooms have only only recently are, are uh, new clinics building waiting rooms with the idea that they'd separate out cats and dogs. But there's some creative ways you can do it. Right. You can block off small areas um, and and. Uh, uh, in our travels, I know both Yola and I have seen some very creative ways. The, the, the clinic that I always talk about is a little tiny clinic in Tokyo that sees dogs and cats. And the fellow who um, runs it is very, very much a cat person. And vet clinics in Tokyo are very small <laughs> because real estate is very expensive. And yet he still, in, in, a, in the smallest waiting room I've ever seen in my life, he still managed you know, to have cat and dog separate, right? So it's just one end of the waiting room versus the other. So yeah, they're not that far apart, but it's combined with getting cats off the floor, up high, he's got the blankets and the towels to cover them. So I always think if, if they can do it, they can do it. Yeah. Anybody can do it. Yeah, right? I'm trying to call yeah. them IKEA hacks because if you have a room, yeah. you can just put up a shelving unit and Absolutely. have one side chairs on the other and make sure your clients are not yeah. wrong place with their dog. <laughs> yeah. So there's tons of ways um, to do that. And I think once people realize that thinking outside the box is going to be the answer, then, then it really helps. And I like that you mentioned doing, doing it slowly because, um, well, not only does it make it seem less overwhelming, but you also are not going to overwhelm everybody on your team. Right. And that's really important because if you try to make too many changes too fast, you won't get engagement or buy-in from other team members. So it should take as long as it needs to take, right? Yes. You shouldn't go into it thinking, okay, you know, we're going to be certified by like, you know, June. You, I think you need to go into it and, and see just kind of where are you in the, in the scope of things that might need to be adjusted and just be realistic that it's just mm -hmm. going to take as long as it takes to do it right. Yeah, and people worry too that they, you know, we're going to have to do renovations. And right. you know, like you said, if you can become or think creatively um, and again, reach out to the office, because sometimes if they if they see pictures of your clinic and the setup, they can actually make suggestions about how you can actually accomplish what you need to to get the certification. Oh, that's a great idea. So, yeah, they really do try to help people out and, and make sure because obviously it makes a big difference. So. Mm -hmm. And right just to, to reiterate the fact that that might be cumbersome to become a cat-friendly practice, it is absolutely not cumbersome to become a cat-friendly veterinarian slash uh, advocate, whatever. Um, one, one question about the advocate thing. So do we also have cat-friendly owners Ooh. and a certificate for them? 
we don't have a certificate at this point, but our catfriendly.com website has a cat friendly homes section mm-hmm. um, and they are working on providing some sort of certificate for client for cat owners. Uh, but at least in there, there's information about how to make your home more cat friendly and how to be a cat friendly owner. Um, so yeah, we have that, but I don't think it's in a certificate format at this point. I love that idea. I yeah. think it's, uh, yeah. because there's a lot of cat owners that look for information too. So how they can, uh, and a friend just got two cats and, uh, she did a lot of research about, you know, what are the right, uh, places that how do you how have to change my, what are the plants I need to remove, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what are the climbing stations I need to get, how many scratch posts, how many, you know, uh, and we talk about that too. Uh, how many areas do I need to create for the cat to? Mm. You know, yeah, and environmental needs need for do. sure. Yeah. yeah. So that's what there. That catfriendly.com is a really good resource for yeah. for clients. I send all my clients to yes. that because it's I agree with you. information yeah. on it. And it's updated all the time. Like they're always updating it. Even so, better. Yeah. Yeah. What about the cost, Kelly? What's the cost of these programs? Oh, yeah. Uh, you might ask me that and <laughs> it's actually relatively inexpensive and I don't know the numbers off the top of my head they are available at catvets.com okay um, but the if you're an AFP member there's obviously a discount and I think the full veterinary is 119 dollars if I might be yes oh I just found it yes so the vets, uh yeah the veterinary certificate is 119 for members right and 229 for non-members so you would really want to be a member mm-hmm. yep and even cheaper for students yep. um and the professional is 79 for members and 129 for non-members and then the advocate level is 39 for members and 69 for non-members so and, they, and then they offer some there are some group discounts as well yes. so if a practice wants to have all of their staff take it then there's a decreased price for each person's yeah. So that's, that's well, well worth the money. And I know a, a lot of veterinary hospitals, at least increasingly, they're trying to encourage their, their team members to do CE. They might offer incentives. They, you know, they might organize CE. So I know when you and I started Kelly, right? Like nobody organized CE within any hospital we ever worked no. in. Right. But it's now, I think uh, vets are, or at least practice owners are recognizing that it's, it's one way to help. And so this would be a great way for a practice owner like me, right. To try to especially get our, uh, like our, our assistance into the advocate part of it. So that's something I'm, um, it's definitely on my to-do list, but uh, every week the pandemic seems to shove something further up the to-do list. Yeah, yeah. Yes. that's the way I look at it from an owner's perspective. Yeah, so it's good for existing members, uh, staff members, and then even if everybody else is on board, when you have a new hire come in, that's a perfect yes. training program for someone who is new in the in the clinic to get on board with the cat-friendly handling. And yeah, I think that's a great idea, right? And it's yeah. it's a pretty small investment. You're already investing a lot of time in a new team member anyway right just like finding them and training them so it's a pretty small investment to also have them do one of the certificate programs so you know i I think moving forward that could be a a really good use of this yeah Yeah. this has been great uh so we're almost at the end i have one more question if you if you are a if you don't work for a get friendly practice do you think it's still useful to do this course kelly uh, to become a cat friendly certificate vet 
I think it's even more useful if you're not in a cat friendly practice, because I would assume that at least in a cat friendly practice that some uh, there's some of that information already going around and they're already handling cats and, and know this stuff about cats, the extra medicine. So if you're in a cat dog practice, you know, uh, the, the sad reality is the dogs bring in a lot of the income. So a lot of the time is spent with the dogs. A lot of continuing education is spent on dogs. Um, so it would be even more important for someone who's not in a cat friendly practice to, to do this, I would think. Love that idea. Agree. The more Agree. the more we can promote cats anywhere. And I think if you're oh, yeah. in a total dog practice, this would be an excellent specialization for yourself to be yeah. the cat expert. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very true. Very true. And and now we have to end this uh, this strange uh, uh, phenomenon that we have. Uh, or we have to end the podcast with the strange phenomenon that we have that I find out more and more that my famous cat vets all have dogs. <laughs> what is wrong with them? Well, we just love animals, really. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it took a long time before I I would admit to having dogs. So only recently do I show pictures of dogs, my dogs during the lectures. I, for a long time, I never admitted it. <laughs> yeah, but she has Moo. It's the best dog ever. So. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah. All right. This has been awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. Thank I'm you looking for forward for next me. week. Sorry. I don't know why I'm always shocked, Yola, when it's at the end of an episode. It's like always a surprise to me. I'm glad you keep track of the time. I know. I know someone <laughs> has to. <laughs> but Kelly, thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. Yes. And we'll see you back next week. Uh, Dr. Susan, uh, would you like to have the honor? <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I, I, I get I get to wrap up. So um, make sure you check out our website. It's perpodcast.net because you can see a list of all of our wonderful guests there and their topics. And you can even listen right on the website. Uh, of course, you'll find us in any podcast app that you like to use, whether it's Apple Podcasts or um, Spotify, whatever you use, you'll be able to subscribe to Per Podcast there. Uh, and please take a minute and leave us a good review. We like good reviews. You know, it makes we us do. happy. Yes, we do. Um, and it also helps other people find us um, um, as well. So not only do you make us happy, but you might make somebody else happy by introducing them to us. Perfect. And um, social media, you can find us with the hashtag. Uh, oh, no. At Per Podcast. At Per Podcast. Yes. You can find us all across social media at Per Podcast. See you all next week. Thank you, Kelly. Bye. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, and August, Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs. And you can follow her on social media with the handle at CatPetSusan. Dr. Yola Kirpenstein is a diplomate of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at GVETSX. 
This episode is made possible by the generous sponsorship of the Take the Pledge Against Struvites in Pets Facebook page. Did you know there are three easy steps to treat bladder stones in cats with lower urinary tract signs? Step one is to take a radiograph, and if there is a stone present in the bladder, step two is to use the Minnesota Urolith app for iPhone and Android to determine the most likely type of stone. Step three is to treat the cat for at least two to three weeks with an appropriate diet and see if the stone gets smaller. If so, keep feeding that diet until the stone is completely gone on follow-up radiographs. If not, check compliance with the owner and look for alternative treatment options. Join veterinarians worldwide to take the pledge not to remove screwbite stones by surgery anymore. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page, at per podcast. 